This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Um, I would like to share something really intimate with you guys today. It's something I'm I'm a little nervous about because it's probably the most personal and intimate story I've ever shared. And um, my mom is experiencing, well, she was here last night at Tom Grant's concert up probably five hours past her bedtime to watch the concert here, and so she's not here today, but I'm going to talk about mom and some amazing things that I've discovered. Um, She's experiencing dementia clinically, um, but I call it something different. So first of all, my sister and I grew up in Hawaii. My sister is here this morning, Keisha, and when we were children, my mom never taught by telling us what to do. She would show us what to do. If she wanted us to weed in the garden, she would go out to the garden, she'd start weeding, and then she'd say, all right, now you can do it. Come on over here. But she would do it. She would lead by example. She never pushed religion on us. She never pushed us to go, which is strange because she was a Sunday school teacher, and she actually ended up in Hawaii because she left Mississippi as a Southern Baptist Methodist, whatever, (laughs) summer missionary, and she went to Hawaii to save the Hawaiians from their sins, ended up falling in love with Hawaii, falling in love with a Japanese man, and deciding to get married, and then she told her father in Mississippi that she was going to get married. Her father flew to Hawaii immediately, tried to talk her out of the wedding, was unsuccessful. I guess Pearl Harbor was still a little too fresh in their minds, and he flew home before the wedding. My mom, fortunately, (laughs) still got married, had me, and uh, a few years later, as a little infant, my grandparents, I guess, couldn't stand uh, not having anything to do, because their family basically disowned her at that point uh, in Mississippi, and I guess they had enough of that, so they allowed her to bring me back to Mississippi to see them, and the ice started to melt. One of my favorite memories of my mom as a child was Mom and Kev Days. And she would dedicate a day every week to take me out and just do something just with me, just us. And then when my sister came along, you know, when she, uh, was five years after me, then we would, she'd take us both out. We'd go to the beach, we'd go to the park, we'd go to the zoo, we'd go play and have picnics, but it was just our day. Her attention was on me the entire day, and it was so special, and one of my fondest, fondest memories. It meant a lot to me. As we grew, my mom was a piano teacher. So she taught in her home, taught piano to kids, young kids, so she could be home with my sister and I. So we hear these kids getting piano lessons, and I remember these kids coming in and playing the same ridiculous, monotonous, stupid song over and over again. We're like, ah! And mom just sat there like it was the first time she had ever heard this song, her presence fully with every child. In fact, the the only time I can remember, I was trying to think, like, when was the maddest I have ever seen mom? And when I was maybe 10 years old, and she was teaching piano lessons, and I was in the bedroom playing, and I had very explicit instructions, don't don't come bother mom while she's teaching her piano lessons. It's only 30 minutes, whatever can wait. But for some reason, I decided I needed to bug her every five minutes, and I came out, and she'd say, please go back and play in the bedroom, we'll be done in a minute, and I'd come out and play. And I came out one too many times to bug her, And she got up from her piano bench, and she took me by the hand, and she walked me into the back bedroom, and she grabbed my face, and she goes, you do not bother me when I'm teaching. 
She had the fire of God in her voice, I tell you. And I scared the bejesus out of me. And I'm just like, I've never seen my mom that mad before. And you can be sure I never bothered her again while she was teaching unless I was dying, which was not very often, fortunately. But I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. And then over the years, mom was always supportive of no matter what crazy thing I was into from multi-level marketing to selling water filters to Dungeons and Dragons to building hot rods, whatever crazy thing I was into, she was all about it. She was supportive. She was there. (laughs) That's how I felt. (laughs) A few years ago, we started to realize that the dementia was really setting in with mom. We're back in Bend, she's here in Bend. And the time came, well, see, her mom died of of Alzheimer's. And so we've always got that in the back of our minds, of course. But she'd always told my sister and I, she said, if I ever get to that point where I am not making good decisions, you guys take over everything for me, just tell me what to do, tell me where to go, and I'm good. Which is easier said than done, right? Well, that day came when we needed to sit her down and go, Mom, uh, driving privileges, gotta go. (laughs) And it was time to make the streets of Bend safer again, and Mom was not happy that that included her not driving on them. But we pulled the, Mom, you told us card that we were making decisions, and she amazingly remembered that and agreed, but then... Of course, she forgot that she agreed, and we had to have that same conversation several times more before she finally got it that she was not driving anymore. If you go to visit my mom, which we do every day, the first thing she'll likely do is take you to the window or take you outside and show you one of her favorite trees. My mom is an amazing gardener, and she loves trees. And she'll take you to that tree and go, look at this tree. It's so tall. Isn't it beautiful? And she'll say that about whatever tree she happens to be standing at. And she says, this is the first tree I planted when I moved to this property. There was nothing else here. This was the first tree. Isn't it beautiful? And we'll go, yes, it is, Mom. And the next day, it's that tree over there that was the first one on the property. And she'll tell that to everybody. And it always changes. It doesn't really matter. But she loves her tree. She loves her garden. And when we take her for a walk in the park near her house, we'll walk out in the park. And every little tree, she stops. (gasps) Look how tall it is. Isn't it beautiful? And we'll go to the rock formation. Look at these rocks. These rocks are beautiful. And then the sky, of course, it's so blue. Look at it. It's beautiful. And you know, walking with mom now, as you can imagine, makes us slow down. It makes us just really admire the beautiful little things. I don't know what takes longer now, taking a walk and then stopping to marvel at everything in the world out there, or taking our dog for a walk that pees on everything out there. But either way, you can't be in a hurry when you're out walking with these two. Last Mother's Day, we we took mom to Kababa for brunch. 
And as we're walking back to the car, she's walking on the sidewalk, and then she stops dead in her tracks. This tree is so tall. It looks just like the one in my yard. And I looked at it, and I said, Mom, that's a telephone pole. <laughs> but it is tall. Yes, it is. It's very tall. And she got a giggle, and then we went, moved on. And One day, Claire had this amazing idea to sit down with Mom with a recorder, with a voice recorder on her phone, and to ask her questions, questions about her life memories as a child, and she shared some great memories, and then Claire asked her this great question. She said, Mom, what's, what's one thing that you still want to do in your lifetime? She thought about it for a moment, and she goes, I want to go to that little sandwich shop down the street over there, that one, that one that I love. And I said, Panda Express? She's like, yeah, she loves Panda Express. I'm like, and she starts giggling, so we're laughing, you're laughing, okay. So that's what you want to do. And Claire asked her, when you die, what's, what is the one thing you want people to know? And she says, without hesitation, I want people to know how much I love them. She had no hesitation on that one. And mom will tell us all the time how grateful she is, how much she appreciates her family, how much she's thankful for all the experiences she's had in her life. She's no shortage of gratitude. We asked her, because she's said many times, she said, if I go now, if I were to die today, I would have no regrets. And that's something she's, she's told us over and over again. And I believe it to be true. One of the things that I have realized is that I think we, people who still have our memory intact, tend to think less of people who are losing their memories. Whether we voice it or not, we hold that intention or something. We talk down to them, maybe, like they're stupid. And mom is not stupid. She can have an amazing conversation with you. She won't remember she had that conversation. You have it several times over. But it's a really awesome conversation. She can talk your hair off. That's not really an expression. But <laughs> she'll do it. <laughs> and speaking of hair, mom doesn't, she's one of those that doesn't care what she looks like. We'll often go to the house and find her with a dirty old t-shirt and baggy sweatpants with a safety pin to hold them from falling off. And either one of those items will be inside out or backwards. The other day we went over there to take her to, get, take her to the hair salon because she normally just gets the kitchen scissors and cuts her own hair and makes quite a mess of it. And so we said, Claire said, we're going to take you to the salon and to get your hair cut. She goes, and pay for a haircut? What? Like, I think we paid like 75 bucks for that haircut, which is kind of crazy, actually, if you think about it. But <laughs> she looks darn cute. If you see my mom the last few days, man, she's cute. Um, but that's her. She doesn't care. She's just present. I was driving down the road not too long ago with Claire, 
And all of a sudden, it just hit me. Mom doesn't worry about the past. She doesn't hold any grudges. She's not worried about the future. She knows that she's going to be taken care of. She doesn't want for anything material. Can you imagine that? There is nothing I've ever heard her say materially that she wants or needs, ever. She doesn't care what people think about her. She's always wondering it and marveling at the little tiny things in life, the beautiful trees, the rocks, the children playing, whatever. She can stand there and just stare at the world and be content for hours. She's always present, and she's at peace with her understanding of God. And it hit me. Isn't that the definition of enlightenment? <laughs> Hello! Monks spend years and years practicing to get to this point of enlightenment when they can be like my mom who has dementia. <laughs> right? I mean, it's crazy. It's like, what if enlightenment is simply forgetting all the things you thought were so important to remember? How simple it can be to just be present and enlightened, and a tree helps. Speaking of trees, one of the things that Thich Nhat Hanh shared was a practice that he did with his monks when they were younger. He had a teacher that would, that would give them poems to recite while they were doing daily activities, everything they did during the day. And so there's this book of poems, and they're called um, Rathas? Something like that. But they're basically very simple, four lines, five words each line, and they would recite that while they're cleaning, while they're cooking, while they're dressing, while they're walking. They would recite these things, and it helped them to be present and in the moment. So I said, well, I'll make up one of those for my, for my mom when I'm out with her, and I'm looking at trees to remind myself to be present. So our, our, our chant is, beautiful trees, so very tall, Connecting earth, connecting sky, your stillness gives me presence. I thank you, Mother Gaia. And I've gotten to the habit now of reciting that in my head. When I'm out walking, looking at trees, touching trees. And I want to share one last story with you of how this really came into play with me on a trip to Ireland, as Jane was talking about, had this kind of amazing experience. And it started with, before we went to Ireland, there's a woman, Elizabeth Brady, who's a member of our congregation, some of you know Liz, and we saw her on a hike, and we told her we're going to Ireland. And she says, if you go to Ireland, if you happen to go to Killarney, go to Muckross Abbey. I said, all right. Of course, I wrote it down. A few weeks later, we went to Ireland, we found ourselves in Killarney, and I said, Let's go to Muckross Abbey. So we looked it up. It was late at night. It was almost too late to go. It was getting dark. We started to, we hiked in to find this place. And it's this amazing abbey from 1448. It has been there. The roof is collapsed, but the walls are perfectly intact. You can walk through it. It's like a maze. You can climb through it. And in the center of the courtyard, there's a cloister around an open courtyard with a beautiful 
huge tree. It's called a yew tree, Y-E-W. And we were the only ones there, Claire and I, as we walked into this place, and the rain started to fall, and it was quiet, and I'm looking at this, this incredible tree. There's a picture of it there through the, through the wind, to the arches. And so we walked all around through the arches, and the rain started to fall. As I'm sitting there, I could just feel my mom and her love of trees, like, calling me. So I started to climb over the little guard wall there, and I walked up to the tree. And as I'm walking up to it, I hear bagpipes. (laughs) Bagpipes start to play. I'm not making this shit up. (laughs) So... I'm walking in it, the rain is coming, I can hear the rain trickling through the stone and start to echo through the hallways, and bagpipes are playing. So I walk up to this tree, and I just put my hands on her, and I start to channel and say my mantra. And as I'm doing my prayer, I hear the voice of an old man praying in Irish. And I don't know what he's saying, but it's Irish, and he's talking to this tree, He's praising this tree. And so I let my prayer sort of fade into listening to his prayer. We sat there in the rain. And then when it was done, I pulled back, listened to the tree a little bit more, and realized that he was an actual man. He had appeared. He was behind the tree where I didn't see him. We started to talk afterwards. And I'll share a little bit about that you. But here's, when I, when I was done with my prayer, I, I, all I could do is I got to capture this. So I actually captured a few moments of the, the experience there. And I hope this translates. But go ahead and uh, see if you can play that, Nico. Kind of spooky, but kind of cool. And then we ended up, this guy walks around and talks, starts talking to us, and he says, you know, whatever he says, and introduces himself, and find out he's a spiritual leader, guide over Ireland. He starts telling us about Celtic religions and beautiful sacred places to visit. And we have this long conversation. Then he says, I do tour, spiritual tours over Ireland. And I'm like, I want to do a spiritual tour of Ireland. So, of course, we exchanged numbers and we started planning. And so that's a whole other story. But it just led to this amazing connection, which I'm still waiting to unfold. But wow, how Spirit just led that from meeting on the trail to walking up to this tree and having this experience. It's all from opening up and being present. So what I... What I want to leave you with is that this holiday may be the most valuable gift you can give anyone is simply your undivided, unadulterated presence. I think there's a saying like it costs nothing to pay attention, right? 
So what if the most valuable gift you can give, what if something that's going to last forever for some young child or the person in need is just your presence with them? What does presence look like? It means you're not thinking about the past. You know, just like in the meditation, we're not thinking about this person's history. If I'm going to talk to you, Jody, I don't care what happened yesterday. If I'm present with you, I'm here right now. Part of being present is forgetting the past, forgetting what you know about somebody, and at the same time, honoring and embracing what you don't know about them at the same time. Because that makes a difference, right? So I'd like to leave you with just, number one, reconsidering what you think about people with memory loss public service announcement. (laughs) Consider that they may have something that we don't yet, which is presence. Presence of being, presence of connection. I think when we are present, we are actually showing the, the true presence of God to others. So give that gift this holiday. Be present. Thank you.